0: Where do you go for comics new and old? Uh, garage sales? Wrong! Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? Uh, In magazines, mostly. Wrong again! And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Well, there are lots of different options if you're looking for something... (laughs) So incredibly wrong! Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. Meet Star Trek star William Shatner and Hellboy's Ron Perlman, July 13th through the 15th in Boise, Idaho. Then, meet Gotham stars Robin Lord Taylor and Sean Pertwee, August 3rd through the 5th in Winston-Salem. Then meet Guardian stars Dave Bautista and Pam Clementia and the winner's soldier, Sebastian Stan. August 23rd through the 26th in Chicago, Illinois. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No, no problem. problem. Use promo code Candare at checkout. No space. <laughs> to get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? the, the internet. Oh, good answer. Really? No! No. Wizard World
1: Comic Con. Go to wizardworld.com for tickets.
2: Well, hello out there, everybody.
0: This is Winnie the Pooh
1: and Tigger, too. And uh, also some guy named
2: Jim Cummings. You're not going to believe this, but you are listening to the Canned Air Podcast.
1: Good job. Keep it up.
0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jack Doherty. And I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today to talk about their Kickstarter for White Ash chapters 1 through 3, running on Kickstarter till August 8th, we welcome Charlie Stickney and Connor Hughes. Guys, thanks so much for being here with us today.
3: Oh, we're really thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thanks very much for having us.
0: We're going to have a great time today. I'm excited for our Retro Roundtable. It seems like this is something we should have done a long time ago. Yeah, really. We never touched Um, on this one.
1: No. It's so much within our range of things we talk about. Right. Uh,
0: Brooke and I went to uh, see Mission Impossible yesterday, Mm. so that was the influence uh, for the topic today, television shows that have landed their own movies, and let me say... That was a damn good movie. Was it really? I haven't oh, seen past yeah. the first one. Seriously? Yeah. I haven't seen them all, but I've, I think I've seen the first three. I think I missed two, and then this uh, this one was really good. When I say three, I don't mean number three. I saw the first three, missed the following two, then saw Fallout. But, uh, man, Tom Cruise really delivers, let me just tell you. <laughs> we'll get into that later, though. Yeah. Then the comic vault. What do we have, Gentlemen. Well, I'm back on a bit of a Warhammer kick with Gen Con
1: coming it's up okay. and all, so I've got a little comic called Revelations set Ooh. in that universe.
2: Cool. Very yeah. cool. What about you, Jack? I have from the DC Universe, the Dark Knight Metal series, Ooh. The Curse of Brimstone. Man, I've
0: been wondering about that.
2: Looks interesting, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, knew I'd get a reaction out uh, of
0: Okay. <laughs> no relation. Okay, yeah, I'm going to have to read that. (laughs) That looks very cool. A few of the books we'll be talking about there, but then we're going to turn our full attention over to Charlie and Connor and talk White Ash. But before we do all that, Jake,
1: we love our Twitter and Instagram, and that's why we're putting stuff on there pretty much every day. So I'm thinking you guys should head down and justify all the time spent on Twitter and Instagram by following us there. On Twitter, we are at CannedAirPod. On Instagram, we are at Canned underscore Air, and our Facebook, Very important. All these things. All these things. These three things are. God, they're what's keeping us afloat, really. I mean, without the (laughs) social networking, our reach is a little limited. So
0: please follow us, retweet. Share your thoughts The be neighbors honest. might hear us Maybe <laughs> yeah. But that'd be about it Right if My phone we'll bill it. would the Hold up very well I'm going to
2: call people All the
0: time <laughs> oh, Hey bored. you're to Canada, You should <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of social media right. Next time you're on Twitter uh, Head over to At What If Series And give us a follow That's our other show oh, yes. We're getting We're uh Building the uh, just called What If, a spin off of Candare that I'm really excited about so far has been nothing but positive. That's fact results. So, uh, it should be launching, I would say, October ish, maybe right around the corner, mm-hmm. something like that. So, uh, yeah, give us a follow and be in the know when that goes live. Uh, what else, gentlemen? Wizard World. If you're buying mm-hmm. tickets to any Wizard World show, Candare with no space at checkout in that promo box, get yourself a cool 10 percent off and also maybe Jake you already said this but Patreon Head over I did to Patreon. Yet,
1: so do
0: that become a founder for five dollars a month you get access to our Patreon show there's a whole catalog on there that you we've people got have never heard
1: fight. we've got the Founders Club
0: podcast mm-hmm. yeah I want to uh, do something else for that for that uh, channel, I guess you would call it But I don't know what else to do I want to do something really cool Live gladiatorial combat Aww. Uh, Oh, you always deliver with good well, ideas Well, I do what I can With All real right. weapons Real weapons <laughs> Let's kick it off and with it. this week's Retro Roundtable table. <laughs> all right television shows that landed their own movies let's start with our guest. let's start with charlie name the first television show the first television show that landed its own movie i mean not the of your choice of your choice (laughs) 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 chronologically
3: chronologically i mean i I think if you have to go with that i mean it would be superman right um that landed its own movie uh, but you—you but you just mean in general, a uh, television show that just that in landed. general,
0: yeah. No, I did not mean like. Tell me the first one ever done, and you better get it right. <laughs> one no. that you like,
3: this one you like. One, one, for me, I mean, I think you know you have to kind of look pre, like. I, I think there were the, there were two eras. Um, I mean, right now we're living in the golden age where we're making a superhero film every fifteen minutes, right? Uh, which is great if you like superhero films. Um but you know w- you know way back in the day because I'm slightly older, it used to be there were almost no superhero films. Um, you know, it, it was basically you had the Superman franchise, which was started out strong and you had the Batman franchise and then you had whatever Marvel was doing, but it was horrible mm-hmm. uh, up, up until when when you know the, the first X-Men, uh, came out, which I think was about 2001, perhaps. Yeah, I think um, you're right. Uh, yeah. then, yeah. you know, and then you're like, oh, wait a minute, uh, Marvel's in the game, and you also had Spider-Man coming out at the same time. Um, so, so, so for me, uh, growing up, because again, I'm I, I'm just a little bit older, uh, I, I really like really that that first Christopher Reeves Superman. Uh, that was like, for me, like that that was just the first time. When when I saw a character on on film, and I realized that you can make that translation and you make it work, um, and and there was such an adaptation, uh, because and, and you know I think there has to be an adaptation done, and if it's not adapted right, it just falls apart because they are two very distinct and separate medium, and if you try to do the exact same thing, so I really have an affinity for for that first film because I feel like that was the first time where it was done well and it crossed over into the mainstream. And then since then, you know, like there was a period where it was just hit and miss, hit and miss, hit and miss. And now there's a formula that works. And, you know, we're in this age where, like I said, every time you turn around, there's a new superhero film and it's just a question of, is this a good one or a great one or one that you're going to watch on repeat? Um, But like Christopher Reeves, that was the first, for me anyway, the first iconic superhero film um, that you could actually not be embarrassed to tell your friends that you had gone to see.
2: Right. That's <clears> for <throat> sure, because that Spider-Man movie in the 80s was
0: horrible. <sighs> oh, the old one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, a lot of this Think of the early 90s Fantastic Four movie. Mm, like oh,
3: yeah.
0: Wasn't uh, there yeah. a Punisher? Yeah, the Punisher, Dolph Lundgren. Uh, yeah. She didn't of that,
3: but Captain America. There was the, the, the Captain America. Mm-hmm. There uh, I mean, yeah, there were there were movies that were being made for the sake of, of making movies and retaining the rights. Uh, I was actually very fortunate. I was interning at Marvel in, in the mid-'90s. And this was before the Fantastic Four movie had been released. And they had gotten a bootleg of that Fantastic Four um, movie. And uh, Sergio aragonis I think that's how you pronounce his name, uh, the artist on Groove brought in a copy and I was a, you know, an intern that was in, um, you know, in college and he brought it into the bullpen and we all huddled around an old television and watched it on VHS and just could not believe that this was a movie that was being made of, of Marvel <laughs> properties, you know? and yeah. This was before they even had the, the graphics in it, like in that old Fantastic Four movie. I mean, like, rather than Mr., you know, having any, like, this was, again, the same time that, you had Terminator Two with, with the CGI and the stretching graphics, but yet when Mister Fantastic stretched, <laughs> you had his arm going out, and then you would cut to this prosthetic limb that was just six hanging people, down the hallway, you know, <laughs> yeah, like just in it, and then you'd cut back to him pulling his arm back. You know, like they were they were doing nothing because the budget was really under a million dollars, and the entire movie had been made just to retain the rights, I believe, because um, they didn't want them lapsing because they knew that the IP rights were were you know were gold. Um, so, you know, it was, it was such an interesting time where Marvel hadn't gotten it together. So for me, again, that Christopher Reed was just that, you know, that iconic, it can be done. And that was the gold standard that you held on to for a long time. And it's like, and I was more of a Marvel fan, but I just wanted to see, you know, why can't you do it like that?
0: The, was there any kind of marvel studios at the time i guess there wasn't even really a dc studios at the time was there no marvel didn't start until iron man who who was it that After. made uh, superman did those movies what warner studios? brothers yeah warner, warner brothers, brothers. And
3: richard, richard donner directed it um so i mean it was a huge production i mean i mean you look i mean look at the the stars I and mean, gene hackman was in it at the time i mean yeah. he was a huge huge movie star so i mean yeah, yeah i mean like you just had I mean, and it was a huge hit. So, I mean, I think when you you look at the production value that was put into that versus what they were doing, you know, giving the rights to Roger Corman to make the Fantastic Four, I mean, it just it didn't make sense. Um, You know, Marvel was also just in such turmoil and they weren't sure what they were doing at the time. And I think there was a, a Marvel Studios that was doing animation, but that was in California uh, so the the company was kind of split into a lot of different places. So you had the entertainment division in California, but you had the publishing division in New York, and you, know, you didn't have a unified central vision for the company. Uh, and then you also had the trading card people that were buying into the company, and you had the speculator market. So you know, again, you had all these different masters, and they didn't really know how to marshal it into a vision for the company.
1: Well, we've come a long way since then. You know, I, I think they've uh, they've really honed that. That, that edge to the point where they're, you can just print money with these IPs nowadays. There's no concern over like, oh, how do we juggle this? How do we keep it going? These studios really come together to focus on what they know is working.
3: Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, for me, I mean, it's also really interesting because I, I also have a, um, a, a television and film background and from, from the other side, if you're looking to write for television or film right now, it, it's much harder to sell an original property. What it's much easier to sell is something that's based on a comic book. Sure. So if, if you're looking to sell uh, a TV series, it's it's much easier if you actually are trying to sell a TV series based on a comic. So we kind of come full circle, you know, you know at a point where it used to be laughable to think of a tv show or a movie based on a comic now it's laughable to think of trying to get a tv show made that's not based on a comic yeah
0: it's it's and it happened in such a short time i mean 15 20 years right that household name versus the new flavor maybe it just took so long to get it right you know starting with Superman those were good movies then Batman of course you know the first few were pretty good (laughs) uh, but you know it was the beginning of hammering out the process Mm -hmm. seeing how it's done and done well and um, maybe Batman Begins came after Iron Man the first Iron Man I don't remember but I thought it was before Was it? it Yeah, yeah, yeah Those movies really set the standard They sure did This is how it's done, guys Yeah And everything
1: is I think it's because they weren't made to be comic book movies Exactly Right They were taking
0: something from the comic And making it as realistic as humanly possible Right You want to
1: ground it in reality Right And then play that off of it And you had genuine talent at the helm Mm -hmm. You know, Nolan, Favreau I'm not going to say he's the best director in the world But he knew what he was doing
0: Yeah Mm -hmm for sure for sure oh good pick though good pick
4: let's uh, move over to Connor what do you got Uh, I would say for me the first experience for a TV show moving to a movie would be uh, Ninja Ninja Turtles so I'm not sure if the movie came first or the the Saturday morning cartoon but definitely like I was in that age group where the Ninja Turtles were this like phenomenon for kids right it was the it was the big IP that came out of nowhere you know yeah, it wasn't owned by, of course, a, the the major thing too, and just they just completely dominated the market. So I guess I was part of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, as was I. I, I was a uh, see, I was born in eighty one, so I was there for the whole freaking thing. <laughs> Loved every minute of it, and um, that's such a great example because that movie to this day is still the best turtles movie there that is. That first movie holds up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It does. And it's pretty extraordinary that it does,
0: and the extent to which it does, given the time, the subject matter. Well, for the exact same reason that uh, the Batman movies hold up, because they weren't trying to make quite the comic movie. I mean, uh, I don't know. That comic was a lot darker and grittier. So, (laughs) I mean, I guess they kind of were, but at the same time, it was just trying to ground it in our reality as much as possible. They did
4: a great job.
0: Oh, so good. So, I think
4: what adds to it is there's a lot of heart to the story you know i mean i remember when when they when they when they had that um when they get defeated and they have to go out to um the, the cabin and yeah. it's, it's sort of had this like mellow period in the middle of the movie and you, know, you wouldn't really think of that kind of thing working in in most kids movies i think a lot of, they would expect a lot of kids would lose patience with that but i mean i remember those scenes really strongly and i remember you know uh than sketching out the different uh, turtles, and I thought that was, you know that was like this amazing moment. But I don't know, it just left a big impression
0: with me. Yeah, it was it, kind
1: of a ballsy sure. move, well, to develop I, the characters in that direction. You know, to say like we're making this movie, let's do it. Let's not cater one direction or the other. You know,
0: look at the difference between the first and the second movie. huge <laughs> oh, yeah. difference. Because by the time you're in the second movie, within the first five minutes, you see Michelangelo nunchucking with sausage links, and (laughs) you see them using...
1: We've all done that before. I mean, let's not...
0: Donatello (laughs) pretending he's an inflatable clown to defend an enemy, or defeat an enemy. It was just ridiculous. Does Um, the second one also have vanilla ice in it? Yes. yes. Now, the first example, you know, these people got to do it the way they wanted. It was done by Golden Harvest, who primarily did Uh, martial arts film no one else will pick up the movie except for them which is another reason why that film is so good because you have genuine martial artists Ernie Reyes for one he played Donatello I
2: think in the suit in the first one in the second one he was the the kid that was out running around with him
0: oh um not Kato but uh Keen Keen Keen, Keen, Kino yeah that's I think that's what it? it was yeah yeah He annoyed me in that movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He annoyed me in that movie. But the movie in itself annoyed me because it just got so cartoony between one and two. I mean, they only came out like a year, maybe two apart, right? I thought they were really really close. They rushed that second one out. And then the third one you would have thought would have been good as long as it took to get that (laughs) one. I'm afraid not. Didn't Jim Henson have a part of the creature creation on it? Not the last one. No, I mean the the
2: the first first two. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's
2: why it holds up so much because of the... I mean, Muppets today
0: still hold up as much as they did back in the day. Those turtles look better than the Michael Bay turtles, without a doubt. Oh,
1: yeah, easy. Without a doubt. They look like turtles for a start. Yeah,
0: Yeah. (laughs)
4: that's true. (laughs) And I think one of the important things that a lot of the older uh, animations and the movie emphasized was sort of making sure that the characters were appealing, and I think that's what's missing in a lot of the more modern movies where the characters don't have that level of appeal that the classic stuff had.
0: Right. Such a good movie. I love it to death. That's why I got I forgot I have a NECA Raphael from the movie standing right here yeah. next to us.
1: He is hauntingly realistic. Yeah. I'm still not used to him glaring me down. Jake
0: comments I'm... quite a bit on how it stares into the pit of his soul. Yeah, every time I catch time him out of my recording.
1: periphery, he like looks a little angrier that I'm still here.
0: <laughs> what are
2: you
1: doing in my room? <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: so this is clearly his territory.
2: Frank!
0: Frank! <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Jack. Let's move over to you. Movie.
1: Neh, 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 neh. Oh, oh, you yeah. I, did, I knew sh- you were going to take that. I should I, I was wondering. First. I was sure. The power was in your hands. You yeah. could have yeah. said, "Hey, I'm going to go it's next." True. That's
2: the A Team. What a great another fun great example, example, near and dear
1: to our hearts,
0: is to the an amazing A-team.
2: movie that they the showed. The, so yep. the movie was so
0: good. The movie was so good. Gave it a a good origin story. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they. I don't remember. It. I feel like they touched on their escape from prison in one of the episodes of the show, but it, they never like had an origin story like laid out like this, like right. how they all came together and everything. It was it was good. I loved it, but nobody went to see it.
2: Nope, <laughs> it made more sales, I think, in DVD than it did in the box office. So they scrapped it and said, "Nah, we're not going to do another one." Bummer. too bad. The only one complaint I had was when the tank was parachuting and they were steering it by shooting it. I don't think that would have worked, <laughs> but it was still awesome.
0: You've got to be a little ridiculous if you're dealing with the, the, the a- TV team. show was yeah. just as cheesy sometimes, oh, yeah. too, so
2: it made up
0: for it. <laughs> I love how uh, when Hannibal would be a master of disguise, you know, like <laughs> the target would walk in a room and, like, he's supposed to be incognito. You don't know it's him until his reveal, but you're every time you're like, there he is. <laughs> like, that's him. Yeah.
3: <laughs> But well, even better, like the first season they actually had this running gag for like the first five or six episodes where he was actually on a movie set yep and he was he, some he, creature. And yeah like or, or, creature. Or, he was, or a stunt perk like he had to leave the movie and they had to pick him up at the movie set and, yep. and then had to have an excuse to get off the movie, I believe um like just a trope that they realized was gonna be a little too difficult to play and they just kind of dropped that. I just think as the writers like it was a great idea for the pilot, and they realized as they went on that this is just going to be a little too hard to do to have this outlaw on the run who also happens to be a movie star.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, they, they didn't do that past the first
3: season. No, I, th- I don't think think they did it past like four or five episodes in but you you would see you would see that in the opening montage where you'd be smoking the cigar like in the gator suit so it gave you the perception (laughs) that he was doing that or like whatever whatever that dragon thing was but i don't remember seeing it in in subsequent episodes but it was definitely in the pilot and for the first couple of episodes the same way they had to break murdoch out of the um you know in the insane asylum yeah almost episode for the first season and then they realized you know like they were eating up valuable screen time if every episode they had to break him out they had to you know take Hannibal off the set um you know (laughs) there's taking away story beats
0: I remember like in the television show at one point when they were either reminiscing about their escape from prison it was like the most lackluster escape. They could have been stopped so easily. This was like them sitting in like wooden chairs, and they had like rigged some kind of like a hot air balloon contraption. Oh, geez. And they were just like floating so ever so slowly over the wall. And they oh, like, if only we had yeah. guns or a stick. But I love that show. Man, I would sit down with my Mr. T doll and turn that... It was Thursday nights, I thought, wasn't it? I don't even remember. I thought it was. When I was little, there was no such thing as named days. (laughs) It was all
1: just just (laughs) bedtime or not. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Time to play, time to go to bed. Jake, what you got? Well, I think we kind of touched on this one to an extent, but I want to get a little more specific the batman animated series was about Master, the, you're I'm, just I'm sorry chuck my sorry. list right you should have gone middle. first god <laughs> but that was the closest thing to religion i had when i was yeah. younger you know i went to a catholic school fuck that batman right and mask of the phantasm captured the tone of that animated
0: series t- turned up the edge just a little bit just a little enough without not only that but it made it for an even older audience than yeah. the cartoon itself was aimed at because Absolutely. there was like heavy there was a heavy plot there like heavy love story yeah, happening the, and there was enough going on that it sort of
1: got that shakespeare effect you know mm-hmm. you get stuff for the groundlings stuff for the aristocrats yeah yeah for sure it's it's just perfect it's got it all you know it's got the tone and feel and like quality of the animated series with subject matter that works regardless of your age group
0: I will never forget the first time watching it because you know, the mystery of who the phantasm is is always just like what makes it so cool. But like what, re-watching and knowing oh, yeah. who the phantasm is and I don't, yeah, this kind of takes Absolutely away Absolutely one bit, of those like multiple
1: viewing. Movie. Yeah. And I yeah. remember just being obsessed with the look of the phantasm. Oh, for sure. That brutal hook and like yeah. the angular, almost kind of like swooping jaw of the mask it's incredible very ultron oh, swoops yeah. in the
0: mouth and, and then, you
1: know you could you could almost say like oh it's, it's the Grim Reaper there's something about it though that just feels iconic to me like yeah. under underappreciated
0: in the fog that always yeah, surrounded yeah, yeah. Oh, what a great concept there was a scene of that movie where the police are chasing him Batman and he's lost his cow he's like his mask is off and he's trapped <laughs> yeah. in that construction site like getting out of that situation that was pretty cool absolutely that was a neat movie.
1: Anytime you can see Batman vulnerable for just a little bit, mm-hmm. you know
0: when things aren't going according to plan, you're like, ooh, that was as vulnerable, I think, as that series ever made. Yeah, yeah. You're never sure if he can pull out of that one. Most of the time, he can, but getting too vulnerable, you're like, this might. Be what do he do? He <laughs> like threw his cowl like on a sawhorse and then like shot his. <laughs> His uh, vi- uh, vine, his rope across the way, and had it real so it looked like he was flying away. And the helicopter just lit him up with Gatling guns <laughs> and just <laughs> fell apart into nothing. And he was already gone by that point.
3: That's yeah, bad. They also had to recut that movie too because the original cut was too violent.
0: <gasps> was there ever a special edition
3: release? Please say yes. I don't know if there was a special edition, but the same day that I watched uh, the Fantastic Four uh, bootleg, They also brought a bootleg into the Marvel offices of the Mask of the Phantasm, which was the uncut version of it, which was, again, a lot more violent. So I don't know. I mean, if you're a big Mask of the Phantasm fan, you should try to see if there's an uncut version of that. But I know there was was definitely a version that they were not going to release, but maybe they'd released uh, at this point. So just worth looking for. Sounds like we have a homework assignment. Yeah, yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. I think so. Just, just throw something out there for your favorite film.
0: Well, I know like um, I never really watched the Batman Beyond television show. The way I got into any bit of Batman Beyond was Return of the Joker. Return of the right. Joker. Oh my God, I saw a commercial for that one time, and I was like, oh, I'm going to get that. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> and belongs I, to me now. I went and bought it. I bought it on VHS to tell you how long ago it was. And the great big clam Disney clamshell. Those was the bad. best, dude. Yeah, but um, after I bought it, learned there was an uncut version, which they did then release. So I rebought it on DVD. And um, minor differences, soft swearing here and there. And there is a part where uh, the Joker gets, like in the edited one, he, I think, gets electrocuted off screen. But in this one, he, like, Robin, like, guns him down. Wow. Yeah, it's a little bit more graphic, but I tell you, that little bit makes... Biggest difference, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> I would be very anxious to see this uh, this uncut Mask of Phantasm. Absolutely, very cool.
1: Now um, that your list mm-hmm. has been picked apart, I say, <laughs> do you have
0: anything now? The one thing I got left, well, I got a few things left, but uh, the one I'll mention is uh, the Wild Wild West. I've mentioned it <laughs> oh, yeah, in last the past three episodes, <laughs> I think, um, but it, it comes to mind in this topic because I've never familiarized myself with the original show. So I saw it was on a marathon. Over one of these last holiday weekends, and I recorded an episode of it and watched it the other day. And it, was, it wasn't bad. I mean, I can still, like, go back and watch, like, Bonanza and Little House on the Prairie and that yeah. kind of shit and get into it. Was the movie so, a
2: lot different than the show? Because I, uh, yeah. okay. I, I, yeah. I remember watching the show. Oh, yeah. That's all I Because I remember watching the show, not a lot, but enough when I was a kid to know what it was. But then when the movie came out, I was like, I just don't remember a lot of no, this. I was, hey, how
1: many spider-shaped? siege engines were there none
0: none oh. but I do have funny <laughs> what about uh,
1: metal-headed zombie
0: people <laughs> no, oh, no 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 okay. no no. that was specific for that villain oh right. Now I was under the impression that that movie like went way off the rails and it did but not to the extent that I thought Artemis Gordon in the television show was an inventor and a master of disguise right just like in the movie so um you have that element that's accurate um the big metal monsters No, <laughs> yeah. there were no such thing But, you know, it's funny I was online looking around And we were talking the few episodes back Where I first brought up this uh, show slash movie Was that um, Wild Wild West kind of inadvertently started Or was one of the founders of the steampunk era Helping to usher that in mm. And um, you can see a lot of that in the movie oh, but, sure, uh, definitely A little bit in the TV show yeah, That, that whole aesthetic is pretty strong, you know the one thing, the one thing that, that they bridged, I wasn't really sure about. The, the character Loveless, which I loved in that movie, I, I've I got a soft spot like for that movie. The
1: character concept.
0: Yeah, I've got a soft spot for the movie. I call it the L A H E. Let's use the last action hero effect. Where I just oh. have a, <laughs> course, yeah. a soft spot for a shitty movie, but um, the L A H E, L A H E, yes. The French have a word for it. Collies lahi. So in the movie, he was an ex Confederate soldier who had been cut in half, yeah. and his the top half of his torso survived in a wheelchair that could get spider arms <laughs> and stuff. Where in the television show, he appeared only in ten episodes, and was a an Mexican dwarf.
1: That is a pretty True. serious departure.
0: Very serious. And one was always uh, against, you know, trying to get its revenge, his revenge on America. I said it. I shouldn't have said it. I didn't mean it like that. I didn't I mean did, that. I didn't say it. Did. <laughs> always trying to get his revenge on America for stealing land. Oh, and yeah. And two, hated anybody commenting on his stature, which I think uh, Loveless in the movie was the same way. So oh, we, that's oh, yeah. the, the only kind of bridging relativity there between those <laughs> characters that I could place. But, um, yeah, I want to start watching more of that TV show. It looks like it was pretty cool. What a weird movie. Right? <laughs> uh, one more I'm just going to mention here really quick that never happened but would have been the coolest, kind of reversed movie that should have had a television show. Shouldn't have the Goonies had a cartoon? Oh, man. In the 80s. They should have. Actually. That was like yeah. early '90s, the time
1: to do that sort of thing. And yet, right? I don't know. Was Goonies a big hit when it came out, or is it one of those things where I it sort so. of aged? I've always loved it. I've always. Yeah, thought it I thought was a it big was. Thing, yeah.
0: yeah.
2: Hmm. I don't yeah, know. Mostly that's so weird. I think most of the cartoons with young kids adventuring were always animals, mm. kind of like Muppet Babies, or oh, I can't even think of some of the other ones. The Get Along Gang.
4: Oh, I remember that. gummy bears.
0: Mm-hmm. What'd you which what'd, what'd you guys say?
4: Uh DuckTales and then yeah, Gummy Bears was mentioned Yeah. yeah.
3: Gummy Bears.
4: You have I don't to know wonder because
3: it was a it was a Spielberg production, whether he had other plans for it in the pipeline. And maybe there was a Goonies two or something he was saving the IP for something specific that just never happened.
0: Hmm. I'm thinking of Camp Candy right now. You remember Camp Candy? Yeah. John John Candy's cartoon? cartoon. Yeah. That was at a group of kids that got into shenanigans, right?
1: You know, kind of in that same vein. What was it Howie's World, I want to say? Bobby's, Bobby's World. World. Bobby's World. Yeah. Howie, that's fucking... All right. <laughs> you knew what I meant. Though. I know who you're talking <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah, Bobby's yeah, yeah. World. I watched a lot of Bobby's World. That was a good show. For some reason. Didn't... Oh, man. Oh, no. What's his name? Uh, Louie Louis Anderson. He had a
0: cartoon as well. Oh yeah, Life of, of, of his Louie. childhood. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. Life of Louie. Yeah, Mama, Mama. have never watch that show. I a tomato.
4: When he got some kind of sunburn or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. right. I remember that vividly now.
1: Yep. A cultural gem to be sure.
0: <laughs> Lord. Oh, I think that's a good that's a good note to I wrap agree. up <laughs> the uh, retro roundtable on. Oh man! And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we have t-shirts, we have mugs, we have decals. What else have we got, guys? Coasters, can coolers, Can, wall can coolers, wall clocks, towels, your mother's drapes. Her that's drapes. society 6com oh. forward slash candairpod. All these items have the Candair logo plastered all over them just what you were wanting that's right got a birthday coming up can't we got you christmas around the corner merchandise yeah can't what else help me here I'm labor drowning. day labor day labor <laughs> <laughs> looking for a good labor day <laughs> gift for your lover
1: uh my birthday is coming up so why not celebrate by buying your friends and loved ones can merchandise mm. that'd be a nice gift for
0: me make my birthday for your kids right yeah, exactly Make Jake's birthday like President's Day or something there Where everyone go. celebrates oh, It really should be a national holiday
1: Near yeah. as I can tell, I'm I'm the only one of my kind That's been born since 91 So
0: This is true, I won't argue that <laughs>
1: <laughs> It's one of the few things I can say for certain
0: Society6.com forward slash CandarePod Head over there I've got to say the decals one of my favorite things yeah. The t-shirts yep. are uh, really nice too Don't get the black, get the charcoal gray Don't get so the black So much better so much looks, better. looks better. Yeah. You're yeah. damn straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and another thing to mention once again. And this, another thing. And another thing to mention. <laughs> this uh, Sunday, August 5th at midnight... Uh, well, the Venture Brothers yes. will be having a new season premiering. Season want,
2: 7, I think it is. Is it?
0: I think it is. And again, we want to thank Adult Swim for sending us the Monarch Deadly Battle Kite. <laughs> it's so freaking cool. I, I, Every
1: I, bit is dangerous It's a real Monarch.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it would be so cool to get video of us flying this thing. Yeah, and uh, put it on cool Instagram for, uh, for them to see. Like, this horrible, <laughs> shitty weather. <laughs> like, look. <laughs> Just oh, dragging it on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Sit yeah, in your yeah. living room in front of a fan and try to <laughs> fly it while doing our best, Louis Anderson. I'm flying a coin. <laughs> so, again, Adult Swim, uh, August 5th at midnight. Set your DVRs. New season of The Venture Brothers. Check it out. That show is so weirdly high concept. It's crazy. Yeah. I need to watch. I've never seen it. It's a smart show,
1: almost frustratingly smart show. <laughs> Half the time, I feel like I'm not in on the joke in that. Like, oh, wow.
0: If it, you feel that smart. way, how am I going to feel? <laughs> I got to rewind it and see if I can catch what they were right? talking about just then. <laughs> Five minute intervals, and then you stop to <laughs> dissect what you've seen. <laughs> All right, we need to get this episode rolling. Let's open up the door to the comic vault. Jack, Jake, who would like to go first? Why don't I knock mine out, really? Knock quick. it out. Like I
1: said, I'm going to bit of a Warhammer kick right now. I've recently started painting uh, 40k models which are the the sci-fi equivalent of the Warhammer fantasy models which I've been mostly involved with. So I thought let's read one of the comics before Gen Con and I get stuck in all that and you know obliterate a couple paychecks bringing home more shit I don't need. (laughs) (laughs) And this one here is called Revelations. And now you really it's interesting because if you're aware of this setting I don't need to tell you anything about it. If you're not I have no way of telling you what the plot line means in a way that's going to entice you. So just bear with me while I give you a quick, super condensed background info. This is the year 40,000, which is absurd, obviously. I mean, humanity's risen and fallen so many times since then. I'll be there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you will. <laughs> you just keep on, keep on dreaming. Keep on keeping on, Jack. And one of the biggest plot points is there's this space-faring arm of the military of genetically engineered, highly trained, nine-foot-tall superhumans they call space marines. And fully half of them, at one point in humanity's history... Uh, turned their back against the rest. And there was this tremendous civil war. And this um, comic opens up with one of the more prominent, important, I think one of the first groups of these Marines um, to be created and their deep, dark secret is that some of their number was on the opposite side of that civil war. Mm. You know, usually it's split right down the middle. Oh, these guys defected. These guys didn't. With them, a few of theirs went over to the other side. So they make it their life's mission to hunt these guys down and silence them. And you've got this agent, uh, an inquisitor, she's called, kind of a detective slash executioner, a real Judge dread asshole kind of figure, who's dedicated her life to uncovering this secret. She strongly suspects members of this group have defected, you know, 10,000 years ago or whatever, and she needs to pin it on them. So it's, it's kind of pitting two forces on the same side of a conflict against each other Mm -hmm. because there's this deeper conflict that neither one can share with the rest of the whole, but it's going to end up killing most of them, if not all of them. So it's, it's interesting to see allies, waging a kind of clandestine war against each other while waging a larger war against their actual enemies. So there's a nice little element of intrigue in with your super absurd macho sci fi space battle action. So I thought it was pretty cool. Sounds Revelations cool. it's called uh I think you can find it for free just about anywhere these days. Really? Yeah. Maybe.
0: <clears throat> Comixology maybe? Yeah, they're good about that lately. Yeah. If you're always in a pinch for a comic, you can always go to the free bin on Comicsology. There's always oh, yeah, something tons good of stuff in there. there. Oh, always yeah, yeah. tons of stuff. Yes, they do. But, Yeah, so check it out. It's pretty cool. There you go. If awesome. you're into it, you're already
1: into it. So like, I can't really. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, uh, Charlie or Connor? Would one of you gentlemen like to go next? Connor, why don't you take
4: this first? Okay. Um, well, when we were at San Diego Comic Con, we sort of picked up a few. I picked up a whole bunch of comics. Uh, I picked up. Uh, I mean, um, a series called Fisher by Vault, and I read through the first uh, three issues straight through on the the plane. Really enjoyed them. I loved the the art. Uh, I thought the story was pretty good. I think it's sort of just getting started really with the, I mean, there's a fair bit of content, but you can see they really want to, they really have a sort of a direction that they want to go in. But really, I just, I sort of just really enjoyed the style um i really like the colors i thought they were really really good um yeah and then let's see briefly what i also read on the plane was something called rob haynes adventure which is by randy Rinaldo. i don't know I, don't, I honestly don't know where you can get this i think he self-publishes it but it was there at the con and it's sort of um, uh milton kniff inspired adventure story like if you guys know uh, terry and the pirates i really like those stories and sort of we, we ended up Sounds chatting familiar. for quite a bit. Yeah, Terry the Pirates was this really classic uh, strip comic that was syndicated back, I guess maybe uh, late twenties up until up through World War World War Two, and it was really popular back in the day. And um, yeah, so sort of this 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 guy sort of spins a little bit off that. It's a more modern story. It's just classic spy adventure story. But you know, we got to chat about you know some of our favorite storylines of that. So. Um, yeah, it's, it's just it's it's really solid, solid storytelling. It's like uh, kind of doesn't really mince any words. It's just kind of gets straight. It's just entertaining, just straight entertainer. It's pretty enjoyable.
0: And the first one you said that was called Fisher. Yeah, that was Fisher by
4: Walt. And um, uh, let's see, I'll take the names here. Uh,
0: this is one of those books that's kind of falling into that that plague that we endure having a comics podcast where we hear so many names yeah. and books come through it's like I think I've heard this yeah. but I don't know it sounds
4: really good yeah there's a, a lot, lot of the old stuff kind out there. there yeah yeah uh, Tim Daniel and Patricio Del Peche, Uh they were the team on the book
0: no. I'm yeah. writing this down Fisher I want to check that out that sounds awesome is yeah. that like F-I-S-S-U-R-E or
1: Yes, like that's the right.
0: Angler. <laughs> the angler? Like F I S C H E R, like the surname. <laughs> oh, I thought that's so how is it is it pronounced? It's like Fissure. Fissure. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fissure,
4: yeah, I suppose,
0: yeah. Yeah. I, that's what I thought that you were saying was Fisher. Fissure. I was like,
4: okay, okay. Yeah, I suppose I'm mispronouncing
0: it. <laughs> no, no no no, it's not your, it's your fault. I think it's just because the the way we can hear each other through our uh, technical implements here.
4: Our apparatuses. Yeah. Yeah, It's like a fissure, isn't like a break in the ground, right? Yeah. Gotcha. And that's the inspiration for the story.
0: And I think I've definitely heard of this before. I'm going to check it out nonetheless. I'm looking up
4: Revelation right now as well. Trying to find it on uh, Comixology. Is there a publisher that I can be looking at the same time? It was a Revelation.
1: It was, uh... (laughs) see I can give you the names of those involved and hopefully that'll get you there Revelations by oh, George guess, Mon yeah. Tazio Bettine I think I'm going <laughs> Enrica Aaron Angelini oh interesting and Rob Steen oh I'm sorry Rob uh, one of oh, them is yeah, bound the not to have a very interesting name <laughs> <laughs> right the art looks fantastic it's extraordinary yeah yeah. And it, it holds up. It's it's one of those comics where initially I was like, wow, this is a nice cover. I wonder what it's going to look like. Between... No, the consistency of style between the cover and the actual comic is wonderful.
4: Yeah, I'm a really big fan of generally the 40K and the Warhammer series, so I'll probably check it out.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm getting there in a big way. That's, I was sure I was like, one of these guys is going to be all about it. I'm going to be sitting here just agonizing them with my baseline description <laughs> of what it <laughs> so no, it's So it's
4: space, right? <laughs> it's a very difficult thing to summarize. It's so rough, it's yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that was very good. Especially for so instruction like, tool. Like, <laughs> to All right.
0: All right, very good. Very good. Jack, how about you? You want to go next? Yep. I got from DC, The Curse of Brimstone, which
2: I believe this is a brand new book. I don't know if he's a villain or a good guy or a hero. Yeah, he's a celebrity. <laughs> no, it's not that Brimstone. <laughs> oh, okay. <My> mistake. <laughs> that was kind of the inside joke of me <laughs> picking this up. But it takes place in a town called York Hills. And back in the day, it used to be a booming town. Uh, it had a coal mine, well, mines in general, factories. Well, as time passes, those shut down and the, the town pretty much just goes to waste. People still live there. I don't know if where you're from, Jeremy. If it was like that at all, was it a big boom town at one point, and then just kind of...
0: Um, I know Bell Fountain. At one point, was it was like the it was like a pinnacle of socialite. Uh, I don't know entertainment. I guess like people would come from all over to go to Bell Fountain, and then whew, boy, over it just the years died off pretty much. Yeah, definitely not that. They're trying to make it that again. Well, that's how your
2: kills was. It pretty much died out. Uh, a kid named Joe. Uh, I lost what his last name was Doesn't make a difference He wants to get out of town pretty much You can't unless you have a car His car, he pretty much has to Hope that it doesn't break down on the way To wherever he's going You have to have a job to be able to get out of town He can't get a job His sister works at a diner She's trying to go to school to become a nurse His dad got hurt at the factory So he's living on disability Which of course is hardly anything So he's miserable He gets in a fight with the family one night leaves the house in a huff his car breaks down of course and this black sports car with this well-dressed man pulls up gets him in the car starts talking to him a little bit and Joe's telling him you know his whole backstory he hates it he just wants the town to be back the way it was he wants to get out and be successful but he can't so the guy's like well you know I hear your story and I'd like to help you out I'll do whatever, whatever it is you want and he's like all you have to do is shake my hand so he shakes his hand he starts burning he's like it's probably going to hurt a little bit, but I'm going <laughs> to yeah, help you. No, okay. <laughs> and he just ignites into this giant, molten monster, and that's where it cut off. And it was pretty
1: pretty neat. I don't know if there's a good picture of him. It kind of looks anything. like his life is pain. At this was point. this a preview
0: book, or is this a no, full issue? No, it's origin.
2: It's a full issue. There's a preview of something else in the back I didn't really take a look at, but I don't know if the guy is like kind of like a devil type thing, and he's going to be working for him. Yeah. Like a spawn type hero,
1: anti hero, ghost rider. Yeah. How did I How mix you the, get that? <laughs> good
0: lord. I am genuinely surprised with the amounts of actual reading there is in this DC comic. <laughs> it was at first, I thought, oh, this is And not be to kind say of DC's heavy, but the, it's,
2: it's not really, it goes pretty quickly.
0: I, th- I think Marvel's just as guilty as DC is, like, really throttling the amount of uh, material they give you in each of their 4 to $5 comics. <laughs> but it was pretty cool. I might have to check it out next couple issues to see where exactly it's going. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing I've seen is they, they beef up these number ones quite a bit, too, and then when you get 2, 3, and 4, they're a lot thinner, so maybe that'll happen. Well, that's
2: when I started, when I picked that up, I didn't look to see that there was a preview in the back of some other book, and I was like, man, this is going to be a big read. And then all of a sudden, I'm <laughs> halfway through, and I was like, oh. That's yeah. it. Okay. Now you get to look at a bunch of
3: CW ads.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Very good. Charlie, would you like to go next?
3: Sure. Um, you know, I, I've got two two books. Uh, I also have a Vault book that I picked up. But I mean, I think Vault is a really interesting publisher because they do a lot of books in the sci-fi and fantasy space, which kind of overlaps a little bit with some of the stuff that Connor and I do. Yeah. Um, uh, so I don't know if you guys have read any of their other books, but uh, the other new book they just came out with is Submerged, uh, which is by, uh, let's see, by Dita, Leia, and Lisa Sterl. And that's kind of a play on the Persephone myth, I think, um, playing with the underworld and someone going back to reclaim um, a, a dead lost loved one, um, but set in inner city New York. It's kind of really an interesting play on that. So I, I was really enjoying the first issue and how you you don't kind of feel that it's that right off the bat, and then about halfway through the first issue you realize where it's going. So it's an interesting take on that, and the art's a little different, and uh, it's a it's a nice team. I mean, they're putting books together with really interesting teams, and so I I think you know the stuff that they're doing is worth checking out. Um, And I just like, like the company. So it's, it's a company that's worth taking a look at. Uh, And then the other book I was going to say, it's actually another book I picked up at the con and also another Kickstarter book, which I just, you know, I like to throw them a little love too, which is called skies of fire. Uh, And they have a big trade paperback on Kickstarter right now. And and the reason I want to throw them a little love is they were the first book I saw on Kickstarter many years ago. Uh, that made me realize that there were really good comics on Kickstarter. When I saw the quality of that book, I said, wow, there are some amazing comics that are being made. And uh, Skies of Fire is like a dieselpunk airship story um, with uh, you know, kingdoms battling each other. And, and I mean, it's just one of those things that it's hard to explain the, the big, sprawling, epic story that they've got going on there. But if, if you check them out, if you look... At um, some of the art, you're just going to be absolutely blown away. It's just beautiful, beautiful pages that looks kind of um, it's in that old European style, and they print on slightly bigger paper, and it's just beautiful work. And I was just taken by the colors uh, of of the book and the line uh, the line work. And, and when I first saw it, I said, "Wow, um, and, you know, maybe this is a viable venue both for for not only raising funds but also for distribution." And so they're doing a trade paperback right now on Kickstarter, too. And um, uh, they were also at San Diego Comic-Con. And so I picked up uh, their trade paperback there. And it's just a beautiful, beautiful hardcover.
0: Did you say it was on a different kind of paper?
3: Uh, yes, yeah, slightly larger. They do a slightly larger um, rather than the standard comic book size. Uh, like the old oh, age
0: style. I see. So yeah, like, like the paper itself wasn't something different. It was just a different size.
3: Yeah, like the old, ma- like thing, more of a magazine, magazine uh, Yeah, if you think yeah. of something like Tintin, it's good yeah. like that,
4: like in that style um,
3: of paper and like
0: the hardcover is like that, you know. Right. That sounds awesome. That sounds really cool. And what was one more time? The name of that?
3: Skies of Fire.
0: Skies of Fire. I'm gonna write that one down too. That one's look cool.
2: looks cool. I'm on the Kickstarter Let right me now. See.
3: Like, if you look at it, I mean, it's just absolutely a beautiful book.
2: Artwork looks oh, straight wow. from wow, like, yeah. The image.
0: Look at that. Yeah. Very cool. Oh, look at those Zeppelins. Zeppelins! <laughs> I, you took the words out of my mouth.
2: <laughs> Wowee! Zeppelin!
0: <laughs> Very good. Awesome. When I talk about Star Wars and there's something I want to bitch about, what is it, guys? What do I typically bitch about?
2: For so, or the the Last Jedi. Well, <laughs> I've bitched a lot about that.
0: Canto Blight, Bef- not about oh. Last Jedi. Ah. Blue milk. Blue milk. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I've always got something to say about Perpetual the blue milk. Thorn in your side. Every director wants to shove a glass of blue milk in my face, and <laughs> so th- it's that that caught my attention. Of this uh, this web comic, I got Blue, it's Blue Milk Special, BlueMilkSpecial.com. <laughs> and what they do is they specialize in just making uh, they're like uh, kind of like Sunday funnies, I guess. They're short strips, but sure. they're Star Wars, and a lot of them are set in situations we already know from the movies, just with a, a humor uh, element added to them. I got a few here. <clears throat> this has uh, Chewy and Han in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon, and it says, an Imperial Star Destroyer. Shit, if we're boarded, they'll find our cargo for sure. But without these smuggled medical supplies, thousands of younglings will die. You see Chewie hit a button, click, and goes, geez, looks like she accidentally jettisoned our cargo. Problem solved. (laughs) (laughs) One of the examples there, and here's another one where C-3PO and Chewie are standing by a fire, and as they're talking, looking on to Han and Leia, Making love right in front of them and finding out that they're people who do do it with the pets in the room. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think something of note is that Chewie can speak.
0: Thank yeah, you. That's... I've got that written down here. That is one thing I really love. When Chewie has dialogue, it's not just roar, roar, You're roar. You're getting
1: his perspective on the matter.
0: You're actually getting that perspective. I love that. And, um, when I went back to the beginning of the archives Seemed like they were kind of just one shoddy But these all go together Like if you get all of I think that was every Forgive me if I'm incorrect on this Wednesday and Sunday release It could have been something else I was looking at Actually it probably was Anyway Whenever these come out They are in uh, Chronological They're cool. following an adventure So uh, check them out BlueMilkSpecial.com uh, It was a lot of fun I recommend, recommend it can they get in trouble with licensing on that? Or I imagine it's something like, uh, you know, how like all the tourist people outside of Disney World get away with selling some all the Mickey and shit the crap, and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's got to there's got to be some kind of loophole, or maybe it's just, it's a profit
3: maybe? Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe if it's they're not making parody. money, I'm sorry. Yeah. If it's a parody, if it if it can fall under the laws of parody, then it can be protected. It depends if it's if it's a one-to-one and you know, it's making money off Star Wars, but if they're making money off of making fun of Star Wars, then there's a little bit of gray area where they can get away with it. It seems like parody to me.
0: Parody, yeah. for sure. Yeah, that it has to fall in that realm, I would say. But I love it. The artwork's fun. Uh, I, I laughed at everyone I read. I recommend checking it out, bluemilkspecial.com. And if you go over to their Twitter handle, at bluemilkspecial, all their posts are just a link to another uh, quick comic. So hmm. you don't even have to go to the website. Just quick link. I like how they drew Chewy. I do, too. Hmm. Looks cool. Even 3PO, he looks cool, too. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the Comic Vault. So let's just turn our full attention over to Charlie and Connor and talk about White Ash, currently running on Kickstarter until August 8th. Gentlemen, I want to thank you again for being here with us today. Thank you. And Appreciate it. Want to uh, wish you a huge congratulations! It looks like you guys were what a hundred and ninety some percent funded. Is that correct? Wow.
3: Yeah, we're. Uh, I mean, it's it's been an amazing run. Uh, we're really fortunate that people seem to like the comic book, and a lot of the people who bought the second issue have come back for the third issue. So, I mean, that's always a sign that people are enjoying what you're making.
0: Absolutely. And I wish we would have uh, had time to spend more time with this comic uh, as this was kind of set up in the last minute. But can you tell our listeners really quick exactly what White Ash is?
3: The short one liner I like to say is it's Romeo and Juliet meets Lord of the Rings in rural Pennsylvania. Uh, um, and if that's not enough of um, <laughs> a description for you, uh, the, the other little bit, you know, a little bit more descriptive uh, line I like to say is if um Imagine if uh, the guys from Supernatural ended up in Riverdale, but instead of battling demons from hell, they had to deal with things from Lord of the Rings uh, and also a romantic entanglement. Uh, so, so, I mean, it's, it's um, as, as I like to say, it's the, uh, the greatest uh, fantasy, uh, forbidden romance, horror comic book of all time set in a mining town of under 7,000 people.
1: You know, if I can add to this list of things that it is like, I, am, am I wrong in saying there's there's kind of a Tolkien plus Twin Peaks vibe we got going on here? Because that's, that's sort of like the feel I get from what I've seen of this comic. At, and I'm totally down for both of those things, especially together. Oh, for sure.
3: For sure. For sure. I'm, I'm a huge Twin Peaks fan and uh, also Tolkien, yes.
0: I'm always intrigued by the uh, setting... Of a story. Uh, what was it? Was it last week? The story took place in a future where a time bomb had erupted. Yeah, so there's like different time, time periods existed over the top of each other. Yeah, like yeah. it's out there. I would never think of that. It was in like and Paris or something like that. Or was I don't something, remember. Something like I that. can't remember. But um, just as interesting is, you know, this story where you like you were saying, Romeo meets Romeo and Juliet meets Lord of the Rings. In rural Pennsylvania. Where does the <laughs> yeah. where does the rural Pennsylvania come in? Like when you're well, story writing or when you were thinking this up?
3: Well, a, a lot of that has to do with um, the mythos of it being set in a mining town. Uh, and uh, that's really important to the narrative of the story. Uh, I mean, it's grounded fantasy. And so when you're building the mythos and you're building the world, uh, for, for me, it had to be. In, in, um, you know, I wanted it to feel like a real place, and I wanted it to feel, uh, you know, I wanted to be set in a mining town. And so, right now, I mean, topically, it just felt like the part of the country that that would best be suited for would also, you know, would be Pennsylvania. I see. Uh, And and then also, you know, the 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 white ash itself is is a tree, and that's the part of the country where that tree would. You know, best be suited to be growing. Total
0: sense. Yeah, for sure. I think we get white ash trees around here, actually, don't we? I think there's probably some.
2: Yeah, sparse.
3: Yeah, so, so, like, so, all those different factors were kind of putting us in, you know, one particular uh, region in the country, and you know, and all those things tie into the mythos. So, um, it it wasn't arbitrary. Um, It was was very specific to try to tie, you know, to tie it to something, to elements in the story that I don't want to give too much away. Um, but that's just what makes
0: it great, though, because I knew it wasn't arbitrary, but it sounded arbitrary. I, was, I, I wanted to hear the path to it, and that's really cool. You guys really did your homework on what you had in front of you. And like this is the most logical explanation of where it would be. It makes more sense to be in Pennsylvania for a
2: mining town versus like in California and the mines because yeah. you know, Pennsylvania is more old land, I guess. And like un, untouched. The Board of the Rings, that's old ancient times. It's
1: all about the old world. Uh, you
2: know. Yeah, instead of going to the new land Oh yeah, west. it would be a much
0: better setting for that kind yep. of a feeling. And
1: then you're mining in California. It's like, you know, miles <laughs> out of the way, <laughs> yeah. you gotta take a bus to the boat, to the plane.
0: But then the tree, the white
2: ash so that that just brings it right back home then. Yeah.
3: And you know right. I... Oh, go ahead. What well, I was gonna say, and also, like, just without, like I said, without giving too much away, but, you know, there are some people, some things that have been, say, hiding in White Ash for a long time, and if you know if they were hiding for a long time in California, intermixing, you know, they they could only say have been part of our society since 1900. Right. Where if they're in Pennsylvania, they could have been part of our society a lot longer. Um, so like there, there's there's also that you know like so this is an older part of our country so. It gives them a richer history, being able to integrate into our society. So I wanted it to be part of the, you know, old Americana as well. It works, and it you does.
1: know, talking about rich histories, everything I've, what I've seen of this comic so far, it seems like there's a lot of Norse iconography, mythological elements. I saw it looks like a, a place called Sif's, and I, I wonder is is that a is that a continuing theme? Are you sort of pulling? from that mythological set more than any other in
3: particular? Again, yes, I mean the, the, the Norris mythology does tie into um, the specific mythology that we are using uh, as, as part of um, the hidden history of the show. Um, but also Norris mythology is, I mean the Vikings visiting uh, America and you know that's also part of our country's history. That's, that's been forgotten uh, a little bit and underreported. So, so like that that's all also part of Americana. So I'm tying all those pieces together as well. Um, so, so yes, I mean like there there is a very specific mythology that we are pulling from. Um, and again, the white ash and the tree and all of that all ties together. In that region and pulls in the Norris elements, which I think Connor is really nicely integrated with his art into a lot of um, of not just uh, not just Sifs, but lots of the uh, the other architecture in the town that you'll see he's he's interwoven little pieces of that as well.
0: And from what we've seen, it's it's a gorgeous book. I just mm-hmm. have to throw that in there really quick while we're touching on that. So this Kickstarter, is this for the actual third chapter? Or is it just one through three? What's the, what's this Kickstarter funding?
3: So we use Kickstarter as a method of pre-sales rather than funding the book. Um, that's kind of what oh. uh, what Kickstarter has become for a lot of independent comic people. So rather than going to Diamond, where Diamond takes a 50% cut, we make the books. And then we go to Kickstarter as our distribution channel. So the book is done. Um, and when the Kickstarter ends, if you've pledged, you get a digital copy immediately. And then two months later, when it comes back from the printer, you get the print copy as well. So for this Kickstarter, you can either get the third chapter. Um, and all our issues are really big. Our f- first issue is 52 pages. When you're, when you're talking about um, you know like the, the little things that you get from Marvel or DC... We did 52 pages, 32 pages for our second issue, 32 pages for our third issue. Our fourth issue is going to be 40 pages long. So, you know, you get, you get your money's worth. But um, so on this Kickstarter, you can get um, the third issue, or if you're new to the series, you can get uh, issues one through three. Um, we also, you can also get PDFs. So if you just want to check it out, you can get a, um, a PDF of the third issue, or you can get a PDF of the first three. So, you know, we give people lots of ways that they can sort of catch up with White Ash or get acquainted with White Ash, depending on how interested they are in the mythology of the series.
0: That's such a good idea. And I imagine that uh, using Kickstarter in that way has to be a hell of a lot less stressful than uh, actually using it to, you know, run the whole operation. From the other end of things, it's a
1: lot easier to put your faith in something that's already done and know you're getting a worthy return Mm -hmm. on the investment.
3: Well, and, and that's the thing is you build up a brand. And, like, for, for us, that's why we're doing so well on Kickstarter. And and you see books like Skies of Fire. And, and there's a couple of other books that, you know, the creators have started creating brands on Kickstarter. And, and people know these people deliver. And it's not just a, hey, I'm, I'm getting some random artist. We are, we are people who just, we, you know, Come October, November, Chapter Four will be on Kickstarter, so you can get the next issue of White Ash. You know where it's going to be, and so rather than going to your comic shop, we're just on Kickstarter right now. And the difference is, rather than paying Diamond forty-five percent and yeah, then a publisher, yeah. you know, whatever, you know, we're paying Kickstarter eight percent. You know, so like that, and then we're handling all the fulfillment ourselves. So it's, it's just a different business model, um, but we're able to. You know, in this way, we're able to make the books the way we want them to, and you know that's why we're able to do a 52-page first issue. We're able to print it on you know, the kind of paper stock that we want to print it on. So it's again, it's a different model, and it's the way that a lot of independent comics are being made. And you see, um, you know, uh, Colin Bun uh, just did a book on Kickstarter. Jimmy Palmati just did a book on Kickstarter, and it's, it's again, it's the same same model where the book is either finished or just about finished and they're using it for pre-sales to avoid Diamond and being able to keep a larger share of the revenue themselves.
0: It's a great idea. I never knew yeah. Diamond took that much. You know, the, crazy. The Lady imagine, Death. The late, I'm sorry, Go. what was that one more time?
3: Do you remember the Lady Death series? Um, uh, that was a big comic book series in like the late 90s, Lady Death. I remember um, a couple of things about it,
1: but not much about the so yeah.
3: right, right. Mm-hmm. But the, that, that creator now pretty much releases Lady Death exclusively through Kickstarter, and every one of those Kickstarters makes about a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, and they go, you know, it goes straight to the creator, and then five months later they release another Lady Death book, another hundred thousand dollars right to the creator. I mean, so it's, I mean, it's when, when you're looking at the numbers and and trying to figure out the best way to go. I mean. I think a publisher might make sense for us at some point, but for us building this comic, uh, it, it's made a lot of sense for us to build it on Kickstarter and be able to make the book we want to make, um, the, you know, so far. And it's been able, you know, we've been able to make it at the pace we need to make it, and and Connor's been able to put in the detail into the art that he's needed to put in, I and mean, it looks gorgeous.
0: Wow. So, are you guys taking care of all the like the packing, shipping, and handling, and all that? Stuff? stuff on your own or does someone else do that
3: right now? Yes. Right. Right now we are. Um, wow. It, it may shift. I mean, because this, this campaign is a little bit bigger um, than, than our last one. We've we've been ramping up from campaign to campaign. And at some point it might reach a tipping point where we, we turn it over to a fulfillment service. And at some point, you know, the costs may dictate or the numbers may dictate that that makes more sense. But um, you, know, you know, again, right now for us, it's about finding as many people and building the audience for the comic. And we've been really happy that people have been loving the book. Um, you know, at, at San Diego, we had people who bought the book on Thursday, bought the first chapter, and then on Friday they came back to get chapters two and three. Oh, and that's cool. We had people who bought the book there and then contacted me afterwards to pledge for the Kickstarter because they hadn't gotten the book so i mean like people are really buying into it so it's it, it, it's it's been um it's been really validating to, to have something that people like and i mean the proof is in the kickstarter that's doing this well
0: absolutely it can't be argued with i mean again 190 i think it was two percent uh
1: it's got to count for something
0: yeah yeah i mean something proof's in the pudding well be sure you're closing those envelopes with sponges and not your tongues. or you're gonna lose them in that many out <laughs> jeez Pete. So, uh, again, I want to congratulate you guys and tell our listeners to head over to Kickstarter to uh, back White Ash and get your copy. This is it's amazing. You've opened up my eyes. I didn't know this was a thing, the, like the pre-order method through Kickstarter. It makes so much sense. Yeah,
3: It's the way to do it. And I can't believe this is the first time we're hearing about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. really. You know? You're, you're also starting to see, because people are seeing the numbers that are happening on Kickstarter, you're seeing a lot of companies that are starting to partner with creators and doing a quick Kickstarter pre-release to cover some of their costs. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's, it's starting to sort of go into that vein too, Um, because there's a whole realm of people who are looking to support artists. So it's, it's and and collectors on there too. So it's all being tied up together. So it's definitely worth checking out. There's a lot of terrible books on Kickstarter, but there's also (laughs) a lot of great ones too.
0: I always hear about these people wanting to support other people, and I just wonder why they don't see us. Mm -hmm. Over (laughs) here! Over (laughs) here! Guys, is there anywhere else that uh, people should be checking you out? I saw there was a whiteashcomic.com website.
3: Well, I think one of the best places to check us out is Connor has a Twitch stream, and uh, he actually draws the book live uh, on Twitch. Oh, Oh, that that is cool.
4: They
2: let you do that without it being video game based? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like, there's well, a, a the whole creative
4: section actually, um, I mean, there's people like Jim Lee, uh, he's, he's on Twitch, amazingly, <laughs> so, wow. you know, it's a difficult <laughs> space to share, but, you know, <laughs> I do, I suppose. Um, uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I stream, you know, most of the time, five days a week, twice a day, so, I mean, uh, I'll be there. Um, I'm at twitch.tv slash Connor Hughes, that's C-O-N-O-R-H-U-G-H-E-S. And um, yeah, I'm right now working on a promotional image for the Kickstarter. Uh, I'm going to be coloring that tonight. I'm actually penciling it right now a little bit also. And um, uh, yeah, uh, we have a great time. Uh, there's a lot of people, different kinds of people there. There's, there's comic artists that want to ask questions. There's um, you know people that are into game development that also like to stop by. Uh, there's also just people that like to see comics being made. Uh, so there's a whole different. Whole, whole set of different kinds of people that choose to stop by, uh, so we'd love to yeah. have you.
0: That's awesome. So if yeah. you're a big enough fan, you can you can watch your comic from the dr- literally the drawing board <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to your hand. That's, that's well, incredible.
4: Yeah, you can, and you can, uh, there are some people that in Kickstarter for issues one and two, they wanted to be drawn in, and so they even got to draw themselves, be, uh, see themselves be drawn into the comic live. So that was, oh, wow. I guess, that's something that cool. they particularly seemed to enjoy, and I'm happy to be able to do it
0: for them. I can understand why. Watching yourself come to life on a... uh, Yeah, really. That's awesome. Incredible. Well, we'll uh, have that linked as well as the Kickstarter and White Ash Comics on our website. Uh, We'll be doing that on Twitter. Anywhere else, we should be checking you out, guys.
4: Well, there's the Instagram. So there's uh, White Ash Comic uh, Instagram. And I have an Instagram. Uh, If you check out the Twitch, you'll see all those links. We'll have a lot of those links available for you there.
2: I get awesome. to put lots of links on the website this
4: week. <laughs> <Yeah>. No shortage. <laughs> yeah, We'll just spam you guys. I mean, uh, Charlie's on on Twitter. Um, that's the best place to find him, right,
3: Charlie? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Uh, Twitter is my home. Uh, Ours, for, too. For so it's crazy we haven't We're bumped into each neighbor, other Yeah, yeah, yeah. really. <laughs>
2: yeah. You guys are up in Michigan?
3: I, I'm actually in Los Angeles, and Connor is in New Jersey. Where did I get Michigan from? I must have been somebody else. No, that was the
0: uh, the other girl he tried to set up That's set us was, up with. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. Well, I want to thank you so much. And again, uh, if you next time you want to promote your next issue, let us know. Get you back on the show. Uh, this has been a lot of fun and very Indeed. educating. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, thank you so much. This was this was really fun. Yeah, well, we you. it was weird. Certainly hope so.
0: Jack, what do we have on the website?
2: Go to cannedairpodcast.com Or you can check out our special guests Listen to the show, follow us on all our social media Visit the Hall of Heroes Check out some of our YouTube videos And if you want to get a hold of us Send us an email on our contacts page
1: And don't forget we are At Pod on Twitter And at Cand underscore air on Instagram if you like what we do, don't just follow us there Head on down to Patreon And back this podcast The benefits are getting better Every day
0: isn't it the truth though, Jay? And if you, hit, if you head over to that What If Series on Twitter, you can find, once again, like I said early in, uh, in the episode, the first social media post for our new series, What If, coming out here in October. Give it a follow, stay in the know of when that series drops. It's going to be awesome. I'm Take the
1: day off work. Gather your kids around. Make
0: it <laughs> Sit around make the radio. it be one of the first <laughs> ones to listen while you're not at work. It'll be great. A proud moment, it would be. Thank but you. yeah, if you want to know what these episodes are going to be like, I just uh, suggest you go back into the Candair catalog. We've done some uh, what-ifs there. Uh, what if Disney never existed? What if the events of Roswell, New Mexico actually happened? What if Magic Really existed. What if the internet had never existed? A lot of existed things. Existence era. is in question you have the series, <laughs> one no, no, form no. or another. It's going to be a little bit deeper than that in the actual series, but uh, it's a good example, I think. To Go know. to the What If Facebook
2: page. It's at What If Dot The Series, and that'll that has the first the ones from candair
0: Yeah, and on the Twitter, I have links uh, and the yeah. uh, post that you can just click on and listen to them that way as well. So. Many ways for you to check it out And be in the know Venture Brothers Oh, August, well, we August 5th, I forgot <laughs> uh, August 5th, at midnight, set your DVRs Be there New season premieres Or don't, because of the DVR, so I guess just <laughs> record it We already got our Monarch kite, whether you watch it or not yes. so. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna fly it <laughs> Damn right we are Alright, ladies and gentlemen, well I think that's gonna do it for this week So until next time, I am Jeremy Collie. I'm Jack Doherty
1: I'm Jake Runyon I'm Charlie Stickney And I'm Connor Hughes
0: Thanks for listening,
1: everyone. Syrup. This is where he keeps the good stuff. You don't need drugs to get high, Doc. You just need the Candy Air podcast. That's good advice. Now we know.
0: And no one is half the battle. Just one question. What are you doing outside the window? Ha <laughs> ha! Tell your mama to call me. G I Joe.
4: to Skype call testing service. After the beep, hello. please record a one, two, message. One, two, Afterwards, your message will be played back to you.
0: Talk, Hello, hello. Hurry up hello. and say some
1: stuff before she hangs up on it. It's me, Jake. I'm cooler than everyone here at this table. Fuck you. Don't hang what up on the Skype. Yeah, it's true, Don't. though. Bam.